want to take that? Good morning, everybody. Feels like kind of a hard act to follow with Shep's first sermon. <laughs> but if I'm here, we might as well, right? Good morning, everybody. My name is Katie Wilson, and I'm a ministry coordinator here at Trinity. Look at all those kids. This is that's so exciting. Uh, I feel like just so thankful to be in this place with you all, to sing those words we are singing, that this I believe, those are words that Christians have been saying for thousands of years. And it just feels like a gift to be here. And, and today feels like a special day for me personally. My family from Colorado and South Dakota and Arizona and Charlotte are here. Thank you guys for being here, so happy. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna get to do the thing we always do. We're gonna read from the Bible, we're gonna pray, and we're gonna see what the Lord has for us. So if you have Bibles, we're gonna be in Matthew 14. In our passage this morning, you'll notice the first word is immediately, which this, this passage comes right after what Chris preached about last week, the feeding of the 5,000. So we can keep that in mind as we read through here. Starting in verse 22, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space. We thank you for the story of Jesus and Peter and the disciples, and we pray that you would show us more of who you are, Jesus, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see the ways that you're speaking to us. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So when we get to a story like this in the Bible, like many stories, I think it's helpful to think about how we read Bible stories in two ways often, right? Where this is a story that happened in a specific time and place and space 2,000 years ago, that this is something that truly happened. I think that matters. And then, because of the brilliance of the Word of God, somehow this story that's 2,000 years old can speak to you and can speak to me. And when we approach Scripture 
it's always so helpful to ask two questions. What is this saying about who Jesus is? And what is this saying about who we are? And so I believe as we read the story that happened in a specific time and place, we can also see who Jesus is and who we are. So that's my hope for us today, is that we will be able to see those things. And like I said, our passage begins with that word immediately. And so we're supposed to understand exactly what came before this. And if you were here last week, Chris preached on the feeding of the 5,000. And if you know the story, there's a giant crowd of people, Jesus is teaching, and the disciples come up to Jesus and are like, the people are hungry, like we gotta get rid of them. Like go ahead, send them out. And Jesus turns to them as like, you give them something to eat. And the disciples are like, we well, you know, we have five loaves and two fish. What do you mean give them something to eat? But Jesus takes it and he invites the disciples to turn towards the need. And a miracle happens. The not enough that they brought feeds this giant crowd. And this is where our story picks up. And I imagine that the disciples are probably feeling pretty good. They're probably on a high where they're like, we were just a part of a miracle. We just got to participate with Jesus in a miracle. Like, I guess they're bringing a basket back like, this was pretty cool, right? And it says that Jesus then sends them across the lake, sends them across the Sea of Galilee. And I kind of wonder if the disciples, if they wondered, like, how's Jesus going to get here? Or like, should one of us stay back with him? Or maybe they didn't have a thought and were just like, let's hop on the boat. That's what Jesus said. And so the disciples, they make their way across the Sea of Galilee. And our text tells us that Jesus dismisses the crowd and then goes up on a mountain to pray by himself alone. And that's something Jesus is doing a lot, is he makes space to be alone with the Father. And so while Jesus is praying alone, I guess is pretty peacefully, the disciples are not having a peaceful time. They are in the middle of a storm. The, the language used about that with they're being battered by the waves is that they're being tortured. This is, they're frightened, they're scared, the wind and the waves are chaotic. They're afraid. And Jesus, when he comes down the mountain, the text tells us it's the fourth watch of the night, which means like between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So it's probably dark, maybe a little bit of light coming out, but still a pretty scary time in the middle of the night. And it says Jesus walks towards them and the disciples see a figure. And mind you, anxiety is already high. But then they see somebody or someone or something walking on water. Like not paddleboarding, not like in a canoe, like walking on water. So rightly, they're terrified. They're scared. They cry out. And what, I, what we see here is one of the first things that we see about Jesus is that Jesus leans into their fear. Again, that immediately, it says right after they cry out, he says, Jesus leans, he says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. He immediately leans into their fear. And I don't believe that Jesus is saying, don't be afraid because the storm's not that scary. No, it's terrifying. But what I believe Jesus is saying is, 
sandwiched in that phrase where it says, take heart and do not be afraid is this crucial piece that says, it is I. It is me, Jesus, the one you know and love. I am here. So I believe that he's telling us that we can have courage, that we can take heart when Jesus is present. And that phrase, it is I, in the literal translation is I am. And if something's sparking in your head, it's right. Because in the Old Testament, when Moses is talking to God on the mountain, he says, who am I to say that you are? And God tells him that, tell them that I am who I am, that the I am has sent you. And I just don't think it's coincidence that Jesus says, take heart, do not be afraid, I am. And whether the disciples recognized it in the moment or just when they were reflecting, Jesus is saying that you can take heart and you can be not afraid because I am God. I am. And I am here with you. And in the Bible, so Jesus, you know, walking on water. And in the Bible, so often water represents chaos. We see that from the very beginning of our Bible where it talks about the spirit hovered over the chaotic waters. And God so often through the Bible is ordering chaos. He's separating the sky from the sea. He's separating the land from the waters. We see him split the Red Sea for the Israelites to walk out of Egypt. And he splits the sea for the Israelites to go into the promised land. He's got a, got a thing with showing power over chaos. And what we see here with Jesus, he's not ordering chaos. He's actually walking on top of it. He's actually putting the chaotic waters beneath his feet, which shows us that Jesus is present in chaos, and also he has power over chaos. He is present in chaos and has power over chaos. And Maybe you're thinking, like, why does it matter that Jesus walked on water? Like, does it really matter for us? And here's why I think it matters, for me at least, is there's a lot of chaos in our world. And I want to follow somebody who has literally walked over chaos. I don't want to follow somebody who has metaphorically walked over chaos. That sounds good, but... I need to follow somebody who has experienced true chaos and had power over it, that it's beneath his feet. In the same way that I think it matters, or I know it matters, that Jesus really died and was truly resurrected. I don't have enough faith to follow somebody who hasn't looked death square in the eye and been raised from the dead. It matters for my life and for yours. And I don't know what chaos you're walking through. I'm not a betting woman, but my guess is some of you are experiencing some chaos. But what I do know is that Jesus is present in the chaos and that he has power over the chaos. That we can hear those words, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And at this point in the story, we get to Peter. And guys, I just love Peter. 
He's so human. And I think he speaks so much to us of what it means to be human. And Peter, in this moment, says something that's incredibly bold. He says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. Lord, if it is you, command me to come. And I've just been thinking about that. That is a bold thing to tell Jesus to invite him to walk towards him. And I don't think Peter was trying to test Jesus. I don't think he was trying to try a new party trick. I believe that Peter wanted to move closer to Jesus. And I believe that Peter knew that Jesus is always inviting us to move toward him. It's another thing we see about Jesus is that he's always inviting us to move closer to him. I, I, I think Peter maybe was heard the words from Jesus as he's sitting on the boat, remembering that when Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. That when Jesus, when Peter started to come and started to follow, it's been a wild ride. But it's been a wild ride with intimacy with Jesus. It's been a, a wild ride moving towards somebody who is always inviting us. And I love that Jesus, it just says that one word, Jesus is like, come. Because he always is inviting us to move towards him. And I've been challenged by this idea and thinking through, what are the areas in my life that I want to name that I need Jesus to invite me to move towards? Lord, if it is you, help me move towards you in the fear and the heaviness I have. Lord, if it is you, help me to move towards you in the marriage that is hard. Lord, if it is you, command me to move towards you as I parent my kids. Lord, if it is you, command me to move towards you as I try to follow you, Jesus. He's always inviting us to move towards him. And so Jesus says, come, and Peter starts walking. Peter starts walking on water towards Jesus for a little bit. Because then Peter sees the wind. He remembers that he's in a storm. He recognizes that there is chaos around him, and he starts to panic. He's so frightened and starts to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me. Peter, in this moment, he kind of fails, right? He begins to walk, and he gets distracted and afraid and begins to sink. And as I think about this story, I see it play out in my life a million times. It's almost frustratingly so. Where I'm like, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to move towards you. And I start, I'm moving towards you, Lord, and then I remember that life is chaotic and I'm afraid and I begin to sink and I cry out. And then tomorrow, the next day, I'm like, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to move towards you. And then I get distracted or I see the wind and I, I become afraid. Over and over again, this happens. Like Peter. And now, people often like to say, like, embrace failure, learn from failure. 
don't be afraid of failure, and they're, they're probably right. But I hate failure. Like, I specifically spend a lot of time and energy trying not to fail. And the truth is, it's exhausting, and I fail time and time again. In my relationships at work, in my relationship with the Lord, I fail. But what I know to be true about this story is this isn't a story about Peter failing. This isn't a story about Peter starting to sink. This is a story about Jesus rescuing. We see that Peter fails and Jesus rescues. That this isn't a story about the ways that he didn't have enough faith. It's about the faithfulness of Jesus. It says, again, that immediately word, Jesus is quick in this passage. He reaches out to grab Peter, to catch him. And if this is true for Peter, maybe it's true for you and me. Maybe my story isn't about all my failures. Maybe your story isn't about all the ways that you failed. Does that mean we haven't failed? No. I'm fully aware that I fall short all the time. But what if that's not the most significant thing about me? What if that's not what's most true about your story? And I I believe that it's worth considering where in your life has failure taken too prominent of a role? Where in your life does failure define who you are? Because the story isn't about Peter failing. It's about Jesus who is faithful, who rescues Peter. And we see that right after Jesus reaches out, he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And what's tricky about the Bible is we, don't, we just have the words. We don't know the tone of voice that Jesus had. But I just don't think that Jesus was yelling at Peter. I don't think he was shaming Peter. I don't think he was like, you're an idiot. What were you thinking? I believe that Jesus was being really kind. I believe that his tone was, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Don't you remember? I'm literally walking on water. Don't you remember my words? Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And what I noticed while reading this passage, that Jesus doesn't say, you of no faith. Like, Peter got out of the boat. He has a little faith. And I, Jesus doesn't shame him for having a little faith. I hear that, and I'm like, I'm with you, Peter. So often my faith feels so little. But we hear the words of Jesus later in this gospel that says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. That it's not the amount of our faith that matters. What matters is who we are placing our faith in, what we are placing our faith in. It's okay if today your faith feels little. Because Jesus still reached out. Jesus was still faithful to grab Peter. You have little faith. If you can relate to Peter, I'm with you. And right after this verse, 
it talks about how when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Now, when I read this, I'm like, I have a question. How did we get from Jesus pulling Peter out of the water to they're in the boat? Like, they, they didn't describe that process. And so we don't know. We don't know what happened. But I just wonder, Jesus grabs Peter, pulls him up onto the water, and they walk together to the boat. And it doesn't say that the wind ceases when he grabs Peter. It says the wind ceases when they get into the boat. And I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. There just seems like a gap to me. And I believe that Jesus maybe wanted to show Peter that I will walk with you in this chaotic waves. I will walk with you in this chaotic wind. I am not afraid. I am faithful. I am with you. You can take heart and you cannot be afraid because it is I. I am the one who walks with you. I don't believe that Jesus just wants to rescue us and pull us out onto water and then leave us stranded in the middle of the lake. I think we're invited to move with him. And the last thing we see in our passage is that Jesus gets, Jesus and Peter, they get into the boat and the disciples start to worship. And what I see here is that little faith can lead to worship. Just even a little faith can lead to worship. Now the disciples, this wasn't like the moment they got it and then they're like, we are full of faith, we will follow you faithfully the rest of the way. Like they, they messed up a lot of the times after this. But in this moment, their little faith was enough to lead them to worship Jesus. Because it's not about the amount of our faith. It's about the one whom we worship. The one who has conquered chaos, the one who is always inviting us to move towards him. The one who is faithful to rescue, who is faithful to save. That's who we worship. So in this story, I believe we see that as humans, we're often really afraid and we fail. But that's not what the story is about. The story is about Jesus who rescues, who moves towards us and invites us to move towards him. And that, Jesus, is worthy of worship. Before we come to the table, we're going to take a few minutes to spend some time in reflection. And these two, technically three questions, I guess, but two you know, lines, is... Where is the Lord inviting you to move towards him? Can you ask him to command you to come? Can you be bold about the place that you need Jesus to invite you to? And then next, can you believe that Jesus' rescue is more significant than your failures? We're going to take a few minutes to reflect.